All right, good morning, folks. It's great to see all of you here, and good morning to everybody on at Facebook and YouTube. So this morning, I want to invite you, if you don't mind, uh, uh, feel, don't, feel free to, to come up and sit in the first couple rows if you like. And what, the reason I say that is because today and every Sunday, I want to encourage all of us, including myself, everyone up here, to just be fully engaged in worshiping God, fully engaged in, in uh, listening to and hearing and putting God's word into practice in our lives as well as when Gary's preaching. So can we just do that? Can we just be really fully present here right now? If you're like me, you come in with distractions or maybe you're tired because you got home late because your daughter's prom went to 11 p.m. in Granite Bay. <laughs> And you didn't get home till after midnight, and you're like, this is against the law for pastors. You're supposed to already be in bed because you got an early morning. But uh, anyway, and I want to start this morning by saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Dan, let's go ahead and kill that CD, please. And we want to uh, just worship God and give him everything that we have today. Here we go. might be familiar to some of you. Let's sing. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee time holy 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 all the saints adore thee casting down casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea to the cross. From the cradle to the cross, God with us, God with us, for this broken world to love. So that all the world will know. 
we sing holy. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God. Lord God Almighty. All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, holy, holy. Merciful. Merciful and mighty. From the cradle, from the cradle to the cross, God with us, God with us, for this broken world you love, God with us, God with us, you gave up your only son, God with us, God with us, so that all the world will know our God with us. So that all, so that all the world will know our God with us. God is with us. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Emmanuel. Good news, not just at Christmas time, but 24-7, 365. And I thank God for seeking us out, for pursuing us with his love, and for giving us the opportunity to say yes to him and follow him. That's what this next song is about. Let's worship together. Where can we run? Where can we hide? Is there a place that we can go where you cannot find us? He's there when we fall. There when we rise. Nothing is hidden from your face. You know every breath we take. Your love. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. And we are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us. Holding us together. Us. Nothing on earth. Nothing on earth. Above or below. Nothing in all the universe can take us from your love. You came to us and made us your own. You have redeemed us from the fall. You pay the ransom once for all. Your love, yeah. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. And we are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around. 
Your love. Your love is found us. Your love is found us. We are yours forever. Your love is found us. It's all around us. Holding us together. And we will sing. We will sing because your love has found us here in this. The darkest night will sing because your love has set us free. And we will sing because your love has found us here in this. The darkest night will sing because your love has set us free. Yes, it has. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us. Holding us together. Your love. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us. Holding us together, we will, and we will sing, because your love has found us, even in the darkest night, we'll sing, because your love has set us free. Yes, it has. And we will sing, because your love has found us, even in the darkest night, we'll sing. Because your love has set us free. Amen. Amen, indeed. You can have a seat, church. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, and my wife, Carolyn's going to lead us in that. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Well, this morning we have the privilege of celebrating communion together um, as a church family. And communion is defined as the act or instance of sharing. So there's multiple reasons why we take communion. And first of all, it's to remember. Communion is to remember. Remember Christ our Savior dying on the cross for our sin and for all mankind. Jesus said, remember me. Secondly, it's to proclaim his death. Communion symbolizes Christ's, Christ's body broken for us and his blood shed for us. When we partake, we are declaring by his blood and only by his blood that we are forgiven and we have been made righteous. It's to give thanks for all that he has done for us. It's to examine our hearts because God calls us to come to communion with a heart that is repentant and desires to be right with God. It's to commune with God and to commune with his body, fellow believers. It's to acknowledge our covenant with him. Jesus gave the church a new commandment to remember him as we partake. And finally, it is to anticipate his return because Jesus is coming again. We also take communion because Jesus told his followers to take it in remembrance of him. It was Jesus who instituted communion at the Last Supper. Jesus with his, was with his disciples celebrating Passover. 
And Passover was an annual celebration where they remembered what God had done in Egypt, how he had sent an angel to pass over the homes of the Israelites to spare their firstborn. So they would gather annually to remember what God was done. But Jesus was doing a new thing. He was sitting at the table with his disciples, making a new covenant for what he was about to do, going to the cross, giving his body, and shedding his blood. And so now we do communion in remembrance of him. When we take communion, the bread and the juice symbolize what Jesus did for us. The bread is a symbol of his body that was broken, and the juice is a symbol of his blood that was shed. Communion helps us to never forget all that he has done. He came to earth, lived a sinless life, and then he died for us. Our sons, our sins are forgiven, and our future is heaven because of what he has done. I'd like to, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward and get the elements to get the, the bread and the juice, and we're going to take communion together. I'll have this side come to my right and this side come to my left. And then after everybody's got their elements and sat down, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to take communion. So go ahead and come forward at this time. Right now, I'd like to lead us in a prayer to help prepare our hearts to take communion together. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. Because our desire is to live for you. So this morning, we come to you and ask you, God, that you would just reveal so that we may honor you um, in our hearts and in this moment right now. So right now, I'm going to give you just a few seconds here to just spend some time one-on-one with you and God. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This is the cup, this, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. And because what he has done, because of his shed blood for us and his body broken for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you for his victory over death. He took the death we deserved. He took our punishment. And today we remember and we celebrate the precious gift of the life that he gave us and all glory and honor to the Son. In Jesus' name, amen. All the glory and the 
sins. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. And what He's done. What He's done. Oh, what He's done. All the glory. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. I praise God. I praise God for what He's done. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Woo! Yes. You know, that's why we have hope today, is because of what Jesus has done. Isn't that exciting? No matter what happens in your day, no matter what season of life you're in, we have hope because of what Jesus has done. So that's good news. That's good news. So right now, we're going to take a couple minutes and just greet those around you. So I want to encourage you, if there's someone that you see that you don't know, go up and introduce yourself. Um, And then also... Maybe a fun question, because it's been kind of sunny. It's starting to feel like summer. What is one thing that you like about the warmer weather that you love about it? Okay. And uh, greet those around you, and we'll be back in just a sec.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's make our way back to your seats. We have one more song to do with you before Pastor Gary comes up. It's been a long, long time since we've done this one, and I wanted to dust it off, if you will, and bring it back because I think it uh, really, really helps to help us focus and engage and remind us of why we're here and why we're doing what we're doing. Let's sing one more time. Light of the world. Three and. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Oh, you sound good.
all together lovely. You're all together lovely. All together lovely. All together wonderful to me. All together. You're all together lovely. All together wonderful. Let's pray, church. Lord, you are so worthy of our worship for so many reasons. So once again, we want to humble ourselves and surrender to you and surrender to how you want to work in and through our lives. Lord, I pray right now that we would have ears to hear what Pastor Gary has to teach us from the book of Exodus and that we would put it into practice in our lives and allow you to change us from the inside out. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Good to see you guys today. If you're joining us today from uh, Facebook or YouTube, we're really glad you could be with us. Uh, everybody who is physically present with us, uh, we're glad you can be with us as well. It's really good to see you guys. Hey, real quick, I just want to... Uh, kind of remind you of what we're about as a church. And uh, we're really about, uh, well, we, uh, we want to make sure it's very, very clear that our master is the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Our master is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our message is the gospel. Uh, and what that means is it means that we believe that Jesus went to the cross for you and me. He went to the cross. He suffered. Uh, he suffered in my place, your place, for our sin. And he rose again on the third day so that in him we can have life, in him we can have hope. Not just a hope for sometime way off in the future, but even hope in the here and now. Uh, and so our message is the gospel. Our mission is to make disciples. And what a disciple is, is a disciple simply isn't, a disciple's not perfect, okay? It's not perfect. But a disciple is someone who is learning from Jesus how Jesus would live if he or she were Jesus. It means learning to obey Jesus in all things, not perfectly obedient, but constantly learning to obey him in all things. And then finally, the Bible is the word of God. It is our first and final word on all matters of life and faith. So what that means is Fox, uh, the Fox News is not our final word. CNN is not our final word. We have one final word. It is the scriptures. Uh, that God has revealed himself to us in. Uh, real quick this morning, before I launch into my message, I just want to update you a little bit on our daughter, Faith, if I can. And Faith is currently, that's actually Faith right there uh, in the left side. It's actually two photos that are kind of blended together. But that's Faithy. She's doing a, 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 a health wellness check with a little child down in Honduras. Uh, these other two little kids are kids that she has worked with. Uh, a bunch of others. But what she is doing is they're doing, they've gone down there. She's a nursing major, for those of you who know that, and uh, several other nursing majors. And they all went down there to do, to help children, to help women. Uh, these kids are basically, basically, most of them, they're, they're, they have single moms. They have single moms, which is extremely difficult anywhere. But in that part of the world, it's very difficult. There's no place to leave your kids 
uh, while you work and try to, uh, to provide for your children. And so basically what they're doing is they're being there for the children in the mornings, helping them, and uh, also pointing them to Jesus. But she's, I, I know a lot of you have had a part in helping her financially, and many of you are praying for her, and I just want to say a big thank you. Uh, real quick, I want to show this video. This is great. I love this. Have the sound up too, please. All right, so I don't know if you can hear them singing again and again. Faye, could you hear them say Faye, Faye, Faye? That is Spanish for faith, okay? And so they were singing a song to her, telling her that they loved her, they appreciated her, and uh, but she's having a great time. She's having a great time. We did get to talk to her on the phone yesterday. A lot of you already know uh, she did test positive yesterday morning for COVID, uh, as did three of the other gals. So there are four gals right now who have COVID, uh, four of the seven. So um, Faithy is actually asymptomatic. She's not showing any of the symptoms. The other gals are not quite so fortunate. Uh, but basically, it means they had to quarantine, and uh, they're supposed to fly back in eight days. And to fly back, you have to be uh, COVID-free for 72 hours. So, uh, so if you would, as you think about them, pray for them. I'd really appreciate that. It's okay if I lead us in prayer for my daughter and for the team with her. Can I do that? Okay. All right, let me do that. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. There is nothing that's too difficult for you. You are the one who spoke the word in a billion trillion stars were flying into existence. God, you, uh, you are sovereign over all things. And Lord, I know that you are with my daughter this morning. You are with those other gals. Uh, what I want to pray for them is I want to pray for healing for their bodies. I do. Uh, God, I want to pray for Chip Hamilton, who went through a really tough traffic accident this last week. Uh, six broken ribs, a bruised lung, a uh, blood clot in his chest. I pray for healing for Chip's body. And, God, I want to pray for my buddy, Tim Swanson, who is the pastor uh, of Redemption Hill Church over in Santa Rosa, who is back in surgery again. And uh, going through just an extremely difficult time for him and for his family. And so, God, what I pray for is I pray you'll give the doctors caring for Chip, caring for Tim, caring, well, For these young women down in Honduras, I ask you to give them wisdom, skill to treat them. But, God, I ask you to heal their bodies because that's something you can do. And, uh, Lord, today I just ask that you would speak to us through your word. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to do a good job of loving your people, serving your people, pointing your people to the truth and grace of Scripture. And I pray this, uh, God, and I pray for each of us uh, that you will help us to humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. All right. So we have been going through uh, the book of Exodus. So very quickly, uh, very quickly. Well, first of all, if you have your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to open it up. Uh, If you have it on your phone, uh, please refer to it on your phone. We're actually going to start in chapter 6, verse 28. And, uh, and so very, very quickly, before I dive into this, uh, before I dive into the text, let me just kind of bring you up to speed. So this is what we know, is that the nation of Israel had moved from the land of Canaan down into uh, Egypt. And, uh, and, and this was, uh, was, would have been Jacob, excuse me, yeah, Jacob and his sons, okay? So they were down there. Joseph went ahead of them. 
uh, not according to his will, against his will. Uh, but he had gone down there, and, uh, and God had protected them, kept them. And then what happened in Egypt is they ended up going into slavery. 430 years of cruel, oppressive slavery. It was bitter slavery. It is the kind of slavery that when you read through your scriptures, it, is, it, is, uh, it was a capital offense to take a person against their will and make them a slave. I don't know if you all know that. In the Mosaic Law, you could make yourself a bondservant of a person if you were very, very poor. You could make yourself a bond person where you became a part of the family. But it was illegal and a capital offense in Israel to take a person against their will and make them a slave, just like what we did here in our country with black people. Uh, that is nowhere justified in Scripture. And that is exactly what happened to the people of Israel. It was cruel oppression. Never a day off. No Christmas, no Thanksgiving, no Easter, no holiday uh, you didn't get to have birthday celebrations. Uh, you didn't get to have anniversary celebrations. If you were sick, you know what you did? You worked. That's what you did. You worked seven days a week. You worked from can till can't. That means from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep at night. That's what you did. And you worked until you died. And this is what Israel did for 430 years. But the Bible tells us that God looked on Israel. He saw their suffering. He heard their cry. He remembered his covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God calls a man Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go. Now, Moses had grown up a prince of Egypt. But Moses, when he was around 40 years old, he saw an Egyptian uh, who was beating a Hebrew. And he went to protect this Hebrew. And he did it by killing the Egyptian and then hiding him in the sand. But Pharaoh found out about this, and so Moses had to run for his life. And he spent 40 years herding sheep and herding goats in the land of Midian. And God appears to Moses, and, and God says to Moses, he says, he, says, uh, he says, Moses, I have seen how my people are suffering. I have heard their cry of misery. I have remembered my covenant. And so I am sending you to proclaim their freedom to Pharaoh. And what, what does Moses do? Is he just begins to make excuse after excuse after excuse. Who, who am I? Who am I, Lord, that I should go? And God says, I will be with you. He says, well, what if they ask me your name? And God says, tell them I am who I am, is the one who has sent me or sent you uh, on my behalf. Well, what if they don't believe me? Do these miracles. Well, God, I'm, I'm not a very good speaker. Who made the tongue? I did, said God. Now go. And then Moses says, Lord, please send someone else. You heard this, right? And so this is going back and forth. And so eventually Moses goes. He goes. He speaks to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, who, who? Is, is the Lord that I should listen to him? Who is the Lord? A, a God of slaves that I should listen to him? According to the Egyptians, Pharaoh was God, the descendant of a God. And, and so he's like, well, who am I that I should send, that I, I should let them go, that I should listen to the Lord? And so he says, I'm going to make things more miserable for the, uh, the Israelites. 
They have to continue to make bricks, but they will no longer be given straw to do it. They have to gather the straw and still make the same number of bricks. So things got a lot worse. And out of this, uh, the Israelites were very, very angry with Moses and Aaron. That brings us to chapter 6, excuse me, yeah, chapter 6, verse 28. And what the Bible says, Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Uh, I am the Lord. Uh, uh, He said, "I, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Again, it's another excuse. But Moses goes. It says here in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Now, a lot of people, when they read this, immediately they get heartburn. Well, that's not very nice, God. That's not nice. Why would you do that? Why would you harden someone's heart? Okay? I was talking with my mom about this this last week. And as a young woman, she really struggled with this. It just sounds so unfair that God would harden someone's heart. But this is what I want you to understand, is the Lord says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. But when you go on, you begin to read through, okay, I just paused right there, Luis, with the the slides, okay, because I'm jumping way ahead. As you read through the book of Exodus, this is what you read. God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. But this is what the Bible says. It says, uh, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard. It says, Pharaoh's heart was unyielding. It says, Pharaoh's heart became hard. It says, Pharaoh did not take even this to heart. The Bible says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. The Bible says, Pharaoh's heart was hard. The Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Uh, The Bible says that, that his heart was unyielding. And then finally, finally, the Bible says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's What I want you to understand is that God never hardens a person's heart against their will. He only hardens a person's heart according to the will. Pharaoh chose again and again and again to have an unyielding heart, to harden his own heart, to let his heart become hard. And finally, the Lord does harden his heart. Uh, Okay. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment. I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against uh, Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Verse 6, really interesting verse. Uh, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Underline those words. Those words are hugely important in this text, and you're going to see them again. This says that Moses and Aaron did just 
as the Lord commanded them. It doesn't say that what they did approximated what the Lord commanded them. It doesn't say they did some of what the Lord commanded them. It says they did just as the Lord commanded them. Remember how we talked about part of what we're about as a church is making disciples? And what I told you is a disciple is someone who's learning to follow Jesus, is learning to obey him in all things. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Another really interesting verse, verse 7. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron um, was uh, 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now, pause there for a moment, okay? I, I want to pause here for a moment because I just want to, to make a point if I can, all right? So the central point of chapter 7 isn't the age of Moses and Aaron. However, it's very, very interesting that, that God pauses here to let us know that Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they went to, to, to Pharaoh. Now, why on earth does God pause and make sure we understand Aaron's 80, or excuse me, Aaron's 83 and Moses is 80? This is not, uh, and one of the things that we need to understand as you read through the scriptures is that, that to God, <laughs> well, let me put it this way. Okay, let me, let me say it this way. Okay, there are four ages of a man. All right, everybody knows this, right? There are four ages of a man. You've heard this before. The first age of a man is when he believes in Santa Claus. You know that age? That's the first age of a man. He believes in Santa Claus. The second age of a man is when he no longer believes in Santa Claus. The third age of a man is what? He is Santa Claus, right? And then finally, the fourth age of a man is he looks like Santa Claus, okay? Those are the four ages of a man. You know, we make a lot of age. We really do. We make a lot of age. And uh, what we need to understand is that neither age nor youth disqualifies a person from ministry. There's no such thing as a person who is too old to be used by God. And there's no such thing as a person who's too young. Throughout the scriptures, it's really fascinating is you'll read through the scriptures and you'll read things like Paul writes to Timothy and he says to Timothy, he says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. See, in Greek culture, if you were younger than 40, you were still considered a youth. Maybe almost the way we would look at like a teenager in our world today. That, that, that he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and impurity. Is you're never too young to serve God. My daughter Faith is 20 years old. She is not too young. Very, very fascinating is as you read through the scriptures, you'll read things like, like for example, uh, like Jeremiah. Uh, uh, Jeremiah, it's so fascinating. I'm sorry, I've, I've got to go over here real quick. Real quick, okay? Can I do this? All right. So what happens is the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God says to Jeremiah, Before I made you in the womb, before you were even made, before you were even an embryo, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, I did this. So what is, what is Jeremiah? How does he respond? He says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I did not know how to speak. I am too young. A lot of people believe that Jeremiah may have been just a teenager when God sent him 
as his, as his prophet. He says, he says uh, alas, Lord, I, I, I don't know what, how to speak. I, I am too young. I can remember, 16 years old, I can remember being asked by this ministry leader in Little Rock, Arkansas, to speak to a group of businessmen. These were not just kind of ordinary businessmen. They were very, very wealthy businessmen. And it was, I was supposed to tell them about this ministry. And I remember thinking to myself, I am too young. Uh, and, and this is what God, this is what, what, what God says to, to Jeremiah. He says, uh, I, you know, uh, he says, uh, verse 7, uh, I am too young. Uh, the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and to say whatever I command you. See, there's no such thing as being too young. But also in our world today, I think we, we, we send people off to pasture way too soon. I do. I think we do this. I think we, we think that people, you're supposed to be winding down at age 65. I think our whole concept of retirement, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't see it in the scriptures. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with retiring. I'm just saying that that's not supposed to be in the, the end of your life. The focus of your, of your life is not retirement. The focus of your life is serving Jesus. Okay? When you retire, the purpose of your life is serving Jesus. Did you know that? I, I was taught this when I was in seminary. I was taught this with, by one of my professors. I remember Michael Green saying that, that people over, 60, uh, over 65 are some of the most underutilized people in our churches. He said many of these people, they can go to the mission field. They don't have to raise support. They already have support. Uh, but he said that they, they, have, they have, the average 65 years old, if 65-year-old can expect to live another 18 years, you have a lot of really good years of service in you. A lot of good years still ahead of you. Listen to this. Caleb was 85. Caleb was 85 when he went to take possession of the hill country, and Joshua gave him Hebron as an inheritance. Um, Joshua, somewhere close to the same age of Caleb, when he took over leading uh, the nation of, of Israel. Bob Bill, uh, who is a, uh, he's an author, consultant, um, I've read a couple of his books, uh, but he, he's done a lot of consulting work with, with different churches and, and ministries. But, but one of the things that Bob Bill said is this. He said, he says, one of the most productive decades of most people's lives is their 60s. Actually, he didn't say one of the most productive. He said it is the most productive. Um, anybody know Peter Drucker? Know who Peter Drucker was? Okay. Peter Drucker has been called the father of modern management. So if you were in business and in leadership and you read books, the books that you would read, if, if you were not reading Peter Drucker's books, you were reading books written by people who wrote or who read Peter Drucker's books. He was the man on management. Uh, who, by the way, Peter Drucker was a believer. He was a follower of Jesus. But Peter Drucker, just know this, he died at age 95 Jim Collins, who wrote the book uh, Good to Great and has written a few other books, I remember hearing Jim Collins talking about Drucker, and uh, he said he had lunch with Drucker shortly before he died. And, and he asked Drucker at that time, he said, he said what's your most uh, favorite book of all the books you've, you've written? And Drucker's uh, response, and he's in his 90s when he says this, he's in, 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 and Collins asked him, what is your most favorite book? Uh, and he says, The Nestling. And after Drucker passed away, Collins went back into his library because he owned every book that Peter Drucker had ever written. 
And he went through and he looked at every one of those books. Two-thirds of those books were written after the age of 65. What if he quit at age 65? See, what I want you to understand is this, is you're never too young and you're never too old to be used by God. Uh, Okay, that's way off track. Verse 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then you say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. Kind of interesting. Okay? Kind of cool. All right? You're going to throw down your staff. It's going to become a a snake. Uh, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and what, what did they do? They did just as the Lord commanded. You might want to underline those words. They did just as the Lord commanded. When you see a phrase being repeated more than one time, God's saying, pay attention to this. Okay? When you go home today, remember, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned the wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But watch this. Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said so. Now, a lot of people, they have a hard time getting past this one thing. It's like, okay, uh, uh, a staff becomes a snake. Okay, I kind of understand how that happens with Aaron, with Aaron's rod, his staff. You know, because he's got God on the side. But how were the Egyptian magicians able to do this? How were they able to throw down their staffs so their staffs became snakes? Am I the only person who asked that question? Okay, so, so very, very fascinating, very fascinating. Okay, boring stuff. Very, very fascinating. Uh, boring stuff. Uh, you know, it's, uh, well, first of all, real, real quick, okay? Uh, we don't really know exactly. Some people believe it was some kind of trickery that if you take a snake and if you hold it uh, and you press down the, the nape of the neck, you can actually, uh, it, it, I can't remember what they call it, but it basically immobilizes a snake where it might be stiff or uh, it might appear to be like staff. That's a possibility, some kind of trickery such as that. The other possibility, it was some kind of satanic or demonic power. What we do know uh, uh, is that Egyptologists, and well, if you go through and you read the writings of, of Egyptians, anybody read the writings of Egyptians? Me neither, okay? But I did do a little bit of reading this last week just out of curiosity. And so there's a story, fascinating story, and, and it, it's, it was believed by the Egyptians that their lector priest who would recite these like spells and stuff like that were able to turn inanimate objects into animals. So there's one story of this one chief lector priest, and what he did is he, made, he, he found out that his wife was having an affair with a local villager, and, so, and he was somewhat irritated with this, which is understandable. So he makes a crocodile out of wax. The, the, the wax crocodile becomes the real thing, and he sends it to eat the villager. Okay? But it was believed by the Egyptians that, uh, that these lector priests, these magicians were able to do this. And in this particular case, do I believe that story? Not really. Uh, in, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not a big believer in that. 
in this case with Aaron, with Moses, with these guys at this time, uh, what happened here? I tend to think it was something demonic or satanic. I believe it was a supernatural power. I do. I believe it was a supernatural power. But this is what I also believe. I believe there are times in history, and we see this at the time of Jesus, and we see it at the time of Moses, when you see dark forces at work. You see dark forces, but let me, I want to make sure this is very, very clear. It's not like Satan has this supernatural power, and God has this supernatural power. And when they go and they play against each other, it's not like Satan scores 99. And God scores 100. It's not like they're somewhat evenly matched. It's not even. It's not even like. Uh, it's not even like a Super Bowl team, winning team, playing my old high school football team when I was a kid. Which would be a slaughter. Okay. We would have killed that Super Bowl winning team. No, just kidding. Uh, it's not even like that. It, it is like, it is like, understand this. God spoke the word. God spoke the word in a billion trillion stars were flowing into existence. God's power is awesome. Satan's power is nothing. It is like crushing a tiny ant for God. Okay, and so Aaron's staff swallows up their staffs. Pretty clear, the power of the Hebrew God, the Lord Yahweh, is greater than the gods of the Egyptians. Verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river. Now, by the way, the River Nile was central to life in Egypt. It, it, it would flood annually. It would, it would um, make the, the, the ground very, very fertile for crops, hence great place for civilization. And, um, and it was also uh, the gods, there were certain gods of the Nile. So it was a central part of their worship as well. And a lot of people believe, I say a lot of people, some people believe that Pharaoh was going to the Nile that morning to worship the god Happy. Not Happy, H-A-P-P-Y, but Happy, H-A-P-I, okay? One of the gods of the Egyptians, or possibly uh, uh, Isis. Any of y'all heard of Isis before? Uh, the goddess of the Nile, or uh, one of the other gods of, of the Nile. And they believe that maybe, possibly, uh, this is exactly what was happening. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding and refuses to let the people go. So go tell Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river, possibly going there to worship the, the gods of the Egyptians, the gods of the Nile. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile, and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go. So they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. 
the fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff, stretch it out over uh, out, out your hand over the waters of the Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in vessels of wood and stone. And Moses and Aaron did, oh, wait a second, wait a second. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. Has anybody heard that before? Have you heard that before? See, when you're reading this, you're supposed to be seeing this. Every time you read through this chapter, you're supposed to be seeing again and again that Moses and Aaron, they did, they did approximately what the Lord said, right? They did most of what the Lord said, right? So a lot of times this is kind of how we think we can live as Christians. We think as long as I'm doing most of what Jesus says. Well, okay, some of what Jesus says. No, just just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died. The river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. Pause. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Turning the, the longest river into the world, into blood, really? The second largest, in terms of water volume, river in the world next to the Amazon, into blood, really? Can God do that? A lot of people try to explain this in different ways. Some people have come up with naturalistic explanations. So there is a kind of uh, algae that creates red tide. Anybody ever hear of red tide before? Okay. Uh, you ever hear of the crimson tide? Uh, anyway, uh, who cares about them? Can't stand them. They beat Arkansas yesterday in baseball. <laughs> Don't like those guys. Anyway, uh, so uh, red tide happens quite often. Well, I shouldn't say quite often, but it does happen often enough in places like in the, the Gulf of Mexico, sometimes off uh, the coast of here in California, up in British Columbia, uh, parts around uh, parts of Australia. Uh, it does happen, okay? Some people have said this was that. There was some kind of algae that was in the water that caused this. Or possibly uh, up in Ethiopia, where part of the Nile comes from, uh, when the water runoff as the ice melts and the snow melts, uh, it will go through areas where there's a lot of red clay uh, that will muddy the water, so part of it is red. This does happen. So some people believe, okay, it was something like that. Or it could mean God changed it into blood. Whatever it was, it was a miracle. It happened in that exact moment. I have no problem with believing that God changed it into blood. And I'll tell you why I have no problem believing that. I have no problem believing it because I have no problem believing that God spoke the word. And he created a billion trillion stars. Turning a little bitty tiny speck on this tiny speck of dust that we call planet Earth in the middle of a Huge universe. Turning that little bitty puddle of water that seems so impressive to us into blood is nothing for God. By the way, if you read on through the scriptures and you read from Exodus to Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and you keep working your way and you work your way 65 books later 
at about 12 to 1300 pages, depending upon if you have a large print Bible, maybe it's 1500 pages. Okay. Further, you get to the book of Revelation. And you get to uh, Revelation chapter 8, and you read this. You read that, that in the future, the Bible tells us that a time is coming when hell and fire mixed with blood will be hurled down on the earth. Something like a huge blazing mountain will be thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea will be turned to blood. A third of the sea creatures will die, and a third of the ships will be destroyed. God has judged, and God will judge again. I have no problem believing that God turned it in into blood. I have no problem believing that God could have done some, something naturalistically as well. But this is what I know. What God did was miraculous. But the Egyptian magicians, verse 22, you know, they, they turned the, the, the water into blood here. So what are the Egyptian magicians going to do? But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts. Somehow they took some water. There was some leftover water somewhere somehow, and they turned that water into blood. Now, how does that really help anything? Okay, we got lots of blood here. Here, here's some more blood. I mean, it would have been more impressive if the Egyptian magicians had turned the blood back into water, wouldn't it? It would have actually been helpful. Maybe we could even say the Egyptian gods, wow, we need to give them our attention and not just the God of the Hebrews. Oh, okay. Uh, But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron. Just as the Lord had said, instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. All right. So there are three things I want to bring to your attention. Three things I want to bring to your attention from this text. Number one, the God of the Hebrews, let me put it this way, the God of the Bible. The God of the Hebrews is greater than the gods of Egypt. Let me put it this way. The God of the Bible, as you read through the scriptures, you're going to see that the God of the Bible is greater than any other God of any other so-called religion. There is one God and one God only. He is the God of the scriptures. Okay? And this God is greater than any other so-called God. I want to make sure that is very, very clear. Second thing I want you to understand from this this text is this. There are two ways of responding to God. There are two ways of responding to God. One way of responding to God is like this. Pharaoh's heart became hard. Pharaoh's heart was unyielding. Pharaoh's heart became hard. Pharaoh did not even take this to heart. Folks... A lot of us, it's easy for us to spot the hard heart of someone like Pharaoh. But sometimes there is a hard heart in the hearts of people who call themselves believers in God. You will see this as you read through the book of Exodus. You will see that it's not only Moses who has a hard heart. You will see as you read through the book of Exodus that it is Israel who has a hard heart. See, see, here's the thing is, 
is um, if you can listen to a message, walk away and completely forget everything that's said. That can be the sign of an unyielding heart. If you can open your Bible, read the text, walk away, and be unchanged, that can be the sign of an unyielding, hardened heart. This is why this is why you hear me pray on Sunday morning sometimes. I think I prayed it this morning. Is, is I, pray, I know I prayed it here with the group just before services became, began and before you guys came in here. But one of the things I pray for is I pray, God, and this is Scripture, God, help us to humbly receive the Word implanted. Help, help us to humbly receive the Word implanted that is able to save our souls. My encouragement to you is that when you open the scriptures and when you come on Sundays, you lean forward in your seat. You sit on the front row. You put yourself in a place where you cannot back away from God. But you come before God with a heart eager to hear God's word. A heart eager as you walk through those doors to live God's word. See, it's, it's, we don't learn scripture to know scripture. We learn scripture to live scripture. There are two ways to receive or respond to God's word. You can trust and obey. Or you can have an unyielding heart and refuse to listen to God. You can be like Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. See, as we're reading through the text, what we're supposed to see is we're supposed to be looking at Moses who's hardening his heart. And we're supposed to be looking at Moses and Aaron who did just as the Lord commanded. Sometimes we get so caught up in the miracles, we're not missing. We're, or we, we end up missing the, really the point of the text. What are we going to do with the miracles of God? Are we going to ignore them? Are we going to trust and obey God? Okay, third thing, third thing, sorry. Uh, I'm getting you know, bogged down there. Um, third thing is this. The God who delivers the obedient. Who's the obedient? Moses and Aaron, right? The God who delivers the obedient is the God who judges the hard-hearted. Selah. See, I, I, I said to you earlier, our message is the gospel. That's our message. The gospel is good news for the person who believes. Wait a second. The gospel is good news for those who repent. Not just believe up here, but believe here. Repentance. Turning from sin, turning to God. See, the gospel is good news for those who listen and obey. But for the person who is unyielding, for the person who sometimes stubbornly refuses to believe, or the person who ignores. There is judgment. Now, I, I, 
I don't like preaching that message. I don't, you know. But, but I have a responsibility. Jeremiah had a responsibility to speak all that the Lord told him. I have a responsibility to teach all that the Lord says to us. Um, what I, I would like to do is if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, anybody here, if any, if any of you are interested in putting your faith in Jesus, you can either talk with me after church. If you're on Facebook, YouTube, you can call me. My number is 707-290-2485. That's 707-290-2485. I want to make sure people out there get it. 707-290-2485. I just put my phone number on the World Wide Web. If you want to talk, I want to talk with you. I want to help you. I want to talk to you more about what it means to put your faith in Jesus. I will talk with you after church. You can call me. You can text me. You can email me. Uh, you can, uh, I don't know, you can see me in Rayleigh's and you can pull me aside. I, you know, I, I like to go to Starbucks. You can meet me at Starbucks or at Journey. You know, you can come to Coffee with the Pastor on Wednesday. Please call me. Please text me. Please email me. If there's any question about where you stand with regards to Jesus, I want to talk to you more about that. If any of you are really wanting to go further and deeper and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, I want to talk to you more about that. The God of the Hebrews is greater than the God of Egypt. The God of the Bible is greater than the gods of all other religions. There are two ways to responding to God. We can trust and obey, or we can have an unyielding heart refusing to listen. And the God who delivers the obedient is the God who judges the hard-hearted. Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. You are gracious and loving. Um, and, um, and you are the God who created all things, and you are the God who redeemed your people, Israel, out of Egypt. And you are the God who redeems your people today. Those who believe in Jesus, you are the one who redeems us out from under our sin. And we thank you for all of that. God, for anybody today watching, for anybody today here who doesn't yet know Jesus, I pray that you would save them. Help us to just do a really good job of loving and serving people and pointing people to Jesus. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Gary. So good. I loved just comparing and contrasting when you're reading Scripture. You know, Moses and Aaron did everything just as the Lord commanded. And then Pharaoh hardened his heart. And... Uh, it was just so good. And, you know, my prayer is that we would be a people who want to do what the Lord has commanded. Because his commandments are tender. You know, you've heard ten commandments. They're tender commandments. When he gives us a command, it's because he adores us. And it's for our protection and our blessing when we live the way his word tells us to live. It's for our blessing. And so, great message, honey. Wow. Woo. I love hearing him preach. Um... I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, we've got a few announcements for you. Um, you know, something we talk about every week in our announcements 
is connection. And the reason we talk about it every week is because, you know, if you want to feel like you belong in a church, you know, somebody comes to church and it's like, I don't know if I feel like I belong there. You know, the key in belonging to any church body is being connected, is being connected to that body. It's like, you know, our physical body, you know, if my, you know, if my hand isn't connected, it's not going to be part of the body. And it's like connection is the key for us really belonging in the family of God. And there's a couple ways we can really get connected in the family of God. One is in a small group. And we have some small groups going on right now. We have a couple that are on break. Um, but we do have some going. And I want to encourage you, download the SVC app, get connected. There's something about a weekly connection. Um, that really makes a difference in how we feel like we're belonging. And the other is serving. You know, when you are involved in some kind of ministry in the church, basically you're using the gifts that God has given you, whatever it is, because just like our physical body, every part of the body has a different function, and we need every single part. So whatever you are passionate about or love to do, do that for God's kingdom. You know, I was talking to Benjamin, and it was so cool. He was just sharing um, he has a musical gift and how he's starting to use that for God. And you know what? When we use what God has given us for building his kingdom, that's why he gave it to us. And that's kind of when we come alive. It's like, oh, I get to use this for the kingdom, for something that's eternal, not just something that's temporal and for myself, but for building the kingdom of God. So, you know, so many opportunities to serve. And again, on our app, if you click serve, you can look at all these different opportunities to serve God right here in Solana Valley. Also, Gary mentioned this. On Wednesday, he and Matt are meeting at Journey Coffee at 4 o'clock, and they are basically there if you want to connect. If you've got questions about the church, if you have a friend, if you're like, oh, i got a friend that I'd love to meet, you know, Pastor Gary or Pastor Matt, or maybe they are kind of interested in spiritual things, but I don't really know, you know, how to how to do that. Bring them to Journey and they'll buy you coffee and and just start a conversation. You know, I think it's just such a great down-to-earth place where you can just invite someone or just come. And uh, and they're they're just the greatest guys. They just want to get to know you. So anyway, that's this Wednesday. Journey Coffee, Chadbourne Road in Fairfield for Coffee with the Pastor. And then next Sunday, I'm super excited. Look in the good hands. It, May 29th is Baptism Celebration Sunday. And baptism is such a great... I mean, when you read the Bible, it says, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what's baptism? If you have made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior and he has forgiven you and you are new in him, that next step, if you wonder what the next step is on the wall, and we have some next step shirts we've had, what is your next step in following Jesus? If you follow him, your next step is be baptized. And the reason is because it's this outward picture. You know how we're, like, I'm a visual learner. When I see something, it kind of helps me connect. I love that Jesus in the scriptures said, you know, once you follow me, you need to be baptized. There's something about when you go down on the water as one person, and you come up and you are washed by the blood of Jesus, and you're saying, I am a new person. And you're wanting everybody to know, you're saying, I'm going public. I'm a follower of Jesus. So, If you've made that decision, and if you want to follow Jesus, and that next step to be baptized 
you can sign up today. So we have a sign-up sheet at the back of the church. I'm super excited. Kalel Katan's going to be baptized. <laughs> and he is so precious, and I love that he wants to go public. And Kalel is, how old is Kalel? He's 11 years old, and he's made this decision. He's talked with his parents about it, and he wants to go public and say, I want to follow Jesus the rest of my life. And how cool to start that when you're 11 years old with the whole, the rest of his life in front of him, and he wants to follow Jesus. So cool. Also, next Sunday, so baptism celebration Sunday, super excited. And then after church, we're going to do picnic in the park here at Wood Creek Park. So what is it? Bring your lunch. Bring a picnic lunch. You can pick up something or bring something home, and we're just going to meet at the park, bring a blanket, and we're just going to have lunch together at the park. It's going to be a beautiful day. So next Sunday, um, it'll be after church. Um, bring your lunch, bring your picnic, and meet us at Wood Creek Park for a picnic in the park. And also, uh, we get to worship God through giving. You know, that's one of the privileges of being a child of God is being a part of the kingdom of God. And giving is one way we can do that. And uh, Proverbs 3.9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And there is something that happens when we trust God and we want to give financially into building the kingdom of God, investing in something that's eternal, something that you believe in for the kingdom of God. So there's five different ways you can give. Uh, if you're here in person, we have a little slot in the back. You can put your offering in there. Um, you can also give at our website, solanavalley.org. Um, you can tap give on the SVC phone app. Um, you can send a check um, to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. Or you can text the word give um, to 707-883-3019. So all these great options. Um, and thank you for um, giving to invest in God's kingdom right here in Solana County at Solana Valley. So I'm going to hand it back over to you, Matt. All right, let's stand together one more time, church. Let's worship together one last time. Nothing on earth 
above or below. Nothing in all the universe can take us from your love. You came to us and made us your own. You have redeemed us from the fall. You paid the ransom once for all. Your love. Your love is found. Once more, your love. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. And we are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us. Holding us together. And we thank you so much for being here today. Once again, our baptism sign-ups are at the table over there right by Pastor Gary. We'll see you next time, folks.